CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle take on New York as he addresses the UN on Nelson Mandela Day. On my wall and in my heart every day is an image of my mother and Mandela meeting in Cape Town in 1997. The Duchess of Cornwall celebrates her 75th birthday and royal expert Richard Fitzwilliams reveals how the public perception of Camilla has changed. Well, I think it's been appreciated that firstly, of course, she's very supportive to uh, Charles. There's no question about that. There's always been an ideal match uh, with the controversial background of which we all know that goes back Decade. And royal expert Jonathan Sacerdoti reveals if the royal rift between Harry and his family will deepen with the release of Tom Bauer's bombshell new book. Uh, if it's revealing secrets, revealing stories of what happened uh, behind the scenes through sourced and reliable means, um, then uh, I think you know I think that will be potentially very damaging both to the royal family and and to the ex-royals, if you can call them that. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. All right, hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine, and we say it every week, but this is a lot of big (laughs) news this week. We have big speeches, this bombshell book that came out that's getting a lot of people talking. So um, I'm excited to dive into it with you, Christine, as always. There's a lot of, um, you know, stuff to, to discuss. There's so many, I think that bombshell book is going to be really interesting. Okay, let's let's talk about it. Let's I'm talk about it. Um, before we get to all that, we had to see what you guys had to say about last week's show. We dedicated last week's show completely to Duchess Kate and Music Morsel says, warm, gracious, talented, dedicated, elegant. Kate is definitely a crown jewel. Looking forward to the day that she becomes queen concert, consort. And Mark says, an accomplished athlete, an accomplished musician, an accomplished member of the royal family. Not to mention, she is kind and compassionate. And when you see her with her children, I have no doubt she is a great mother too. She will probably be the next people's princess, if not the next people's queen. Seems a lot of people um, are always in favor of Duchess Kate. Yeah, so it's funny. Someone asked me, like, how does Kate do all these things? She's an athlete. She's a musician. She bakes. She makes her own pasta. And I was like, she doesn't sit around scrolling Instagram. So I think that that... That's her secret. <laughs> Who knows? She might when she's like late night when the kids go to bed. Maybe she has her own secret Maybe account. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, like we said, there's a lot to get to. So let's get into our Royal Roundup and kick it off with Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan taking on New York City. The couple stepped out in hand in hand as Harry addressed the UN on Nelson Mandela Day. So take a look at this. I first visited Africa at 13 years old. I've always found hope on the continent. In fact, For most of my life, it has been my lifeline, a place where I have found peace and healing time and time again. 
It's where I felt closest to my mother and sought solace after she died, and where I knew I had found a soulmate in my wife. If we can see one another's humanity just as he did, a better day will truly be on the horizon. So yeah, this was like a wide ranging speech. You know, he touched on some very personal issues, talking about Princess Diana, saying how, you know, when he visited Africa, that was when he found solace after his mother died. That's when he knew that Megan was his soulmate. But he also got pretty political in this speech as well, talking about, you know, how everybody has suffered over the past couple of years with the COVID-19 pandemic and even bringing up Roe Ro v. Wade. So it seems like he's definitely uh, dipping his toe in the political atmosphere, which he's been doing for quite some time a little bit. Yeah, it's been so interesting to see Meghan and Harry really carving out their new role because they really had a blank slate. And it was it's interesting to see what they're, they've chosen to do with that, you know, the platform that they now have. Um, and it was so interesting as Prince Harry spoke out about, you know, Roe v. Wade, then we saw um, Meghan stepping out with Gloria Steinem, which I thought was just so so neat um what uh what a what a pair like what a partnership to see those two women out together and working together yeah no and they, they recently did a, a vogue a feature together talking about roe v wade and mental uh, health for women um so it seems like like you said they are definitely getting a little bit more political trying to still i feel find their niche of what they want to do post royal life it seems like they're still trying to to figure it out i think right well like, yeah i think that they are really they're trying to figure it out but they have this massive platform but yeah. a completely blank slate with what to do with it so i think it's probably hard to figure out okay what do we do now <laughs> right no exactly which avenue do we want to kind of go down and i think you know you know i think they'll, there, figure, they'll, it out. Be, they'll figure it out there will there will be some missteps along the way and i think a lot of people were kind of like huh why are they at the un why are they doing this but yes i think that like you know like we said you know they're they have this blank slate and they're trying to figure out where they kind of fit into everything they also enjoyed a date night in new york city as well um they stepped out um having some dinner with friends so it seems like they're having a good time and it's always nice to see them out and about yeah it is exciting especially when we don't see them for so long yes. to have like a day or two where there's tons of pictures and Megan steps out in these amazing outfits. It's, it's really fun to see. It is. Um, well, speaking of Prince Harry, he is asking the tough questions about mental health in a short film for Better Up, the coaching and mental health company for which he is uh, the chief impact officer. So take a look. Throughout the years of traveling around the world, what I saw was the similarities of experiences of trauma, of loss, of grief, of being human. Yeah that building up of resilience is absolutely critical. So this was pretty cool. He sat down with um, a number of people, including uh, Chloe Kim, who was, of course, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, talking about mental health. But he was the one that was doing the interviewing, asking the tough questions, and really, you know, shining a light on mental health, which was something that he's been passionate about for years. Yeah, I'm so glad to see him continuing this work. This was really you know, the center point, the focal point of his work when he was a working member of the royal family. And I'm glad he's able to continue it in a new way mm -hmm. now that he's again carving this new role. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we, uh, the Duchess of Cornwall celebrated a big birthday, her 75th birthday with a brand new photo featuring her rescue dog, Beth. So cute. Um, she also opened up in an ITV special about working with her daughter-in-law, Duchess Kate, um, for the Country Life magazine. Of course, uh, Kate shot her cover photo for this, uh, so take a quick look. She did, she, did no, a very really no. good picture. She does it very sort of naturally. There's no... Yes. We had we had a lot of fun doing it. So. Yes. It was uh, very relaxed and, of course, uh, very kindly the Duchess Cambridge came with her camera. She's an extremely good photographer. And it was all very casual. You know, 
there wasn't much hair and makeup. <laughs> it was just done in the garden with, with a lot of laughs and it was a lovely way of doing it. I love that she said it was a relaxing, calm atmosphere, just the two of them just kind of, uh, you know, taking a cover photo. I love this. I thought it was so great. It really gave, you know, in a, in a sort of quiet way, it showed that Camilla has Kate's stamp of approval yeah. and that Kate has Camilla's stamp of approval. Just knowing that they have a really lovely relationship that Camilla trusted her with this, I think was wonderful. And it was an incredible, the special was really interesting. If you can, if you can find a way to watch it, I definitely would. Um, and the photo shoot was just a really beautiful way to see, to see her. It's nice to see Camilla have some time in the spotlight. Definitely. It really is. I love how she said that there wasn't a lot out of hair and makeup it was just <laughs> you know very low-key and you know I yeah. feel like you know and she opened up a little bit more about becoming queen consort you know queen elizabeth um, made that announcement during the platinum jubilee weekend and she said in the interview that she really praised her late father-in-law prince philip for the example that he showed about how to be consort and how to be supportive to the monarch and recognize that it must have been very difficult for him for the macho naval co commander to take a step back. She said, I learned that your place is several feet behind the monarch. You're there as a backup. Um, so it, she really understands her role. It doesn't seem like she wants to be the one kind of commanding the spotlight. She is She's okay with taking that step back and being there as a support system. Right. I think she really she sees the platform that she will have that she already has um, to work toward, you know, to to promote the causes that she's so passionate about. And some of those are, um, you know, rescue animals. And some of that is domestic violence, you know, really important issues. And I think she knows that even though she's sort of second in command or, you know, you know, she's a few steps behind, mm -hmm. she's still able to have this tremendously impactful platform and to, you know, do these impactful things and change people's lives in different ways. Um, so it's interesting to see her, you know, talk about how she kind of knows where her place is and still knows why that's valuable. Right, definitely. Well, the public perception of Camilla has certainly changed over the years. And to help us break down that even further is royal expert Richard Fitzwilliams. Take a look. I mean, how do you think the public perception of her has changed in recent years? Well, I think it's been appreciated that firstly, of course, she's very supportive to uh, Charles. There's no question about that. There's always been an ideal match uh, with the controversial background as which we all know that goes back decades. Uh, but they've a similar age group, similar sense of humor, similar friends. Um, the, you know, they, they were very well matched and of course her main job is to support him but there's absolutely no doubt that if you look at the way she's developed her charity work she has taken a much higher profile relatively recently and also topics um, such as domestic violence abuse uh, rape these uh, she has done I think extraordinarily well in um, in tackling these and in being supportive as well as osteoporosis and animal welfare and literacy and so forth but I think she's there's a great deal of respect for her publicly uh, a certain amount of affection there is also uh, one has to bear this in mind i mean in august 25 years since Diana's tragic death so uh, the things have in that sense moved on and did some time ago uh, but it remains the case that when anything comes up about diana it obviously reflects badly on charles and camilla we've got the crown uh, to a series yet to come, which 
wouldn't be helpful. But I think she's she, there's no question at all that the Queen, in making her, not making it certain that she would be uh, Queen Consort and not Princess Consort, which was a nonsense anyway, uh, to do that um, in a statement marking Platinum Jubilee Year. I mean, that was so significant and so important because this issue was fudged for such a long time. And what was absolutely necessary was to clear this. Otherwise, undoubtedly, when Charles did ascend the throne, if it was announced then, you could imagine problems in the months to come before the coronation, especially. Definitely. And do you think that she... I know she recently did an interview where she talked about becoming queen consort and how she was so honored and she really looked to Prince Philip to kind of understand that role. I mean, what kind of queen consort do you think that she will be? She will be supportive. Uh, she will be dutiful. Uh, there's no doubt she has a fear of flying, but nonetheless, they've carried out some extremely successful tour. Incidentally, the, the test of a successful royal tour is sometimes, if it isn't noticed uh, or noticed that much, uh, there's no question that she has found a niche and the British people, I think, respect it. Having said that, I don't think there is overwhelming enthusiasm, there never has been, for her being Queen Consort, but it's accepted, you can see this in the polls, it is a great deal more accepted that this one day will be the case. So, in the, in, I think she's, she's also, and the Queen realises how well she's done and this is reflected, she's a, the lady companion of the, the Order of the Garter, which is a senior order of chivalry. She's a privy councillor. Um, she's also got the highest uh, rank of the Royal Victorian Order, all of this in the Queen's personal gift. So, given the fact that there was such an awkward background to so much of this, things seem to be stable on, in this particular area, and she is a much-valued, hard-working member of the royal family who, so far as charitable activities is concerned, uh, is, is pretty high-profile too, alongside her support, of course, for Charles. Yeah, it has definitely changed over the years. I mean, going all the way back to, you know, the scandal of the the love triangle. And now she's been uh, more welcomed and more, uh, you know, people are more welcoming to her. But who knows, that might all change when the next season of The Crown comes out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Can't wait. All right. Well, now it is time to spill the royal tea. And Hugh Grant shut down rumors that he will be portraying Prince Andrew in the upcoming movie Scoop. Now, according to Deadline, screenwriter Peter Moffat is turning Prince Andrew's sit-down, disastrous sit-down interview with BBC Newsnight anchor Emily Maltis into a movie. The film will follow how the BBC's Newsnight team got the scoop, then the actual filming of it. Um, that's what the uh, uh, screenwriter told Deadline. And he also said that the other thing is, why did he agree to do it? Very, very good questions. Yes. I think it'll be really interesting. I'm a bit sad that it's not Hugh Grant. I was oh. kind of excited about that. Me too. I, I mean, who knows? Maybe down the line, maybe they'll convince him to do otherwise, but I think he would do a great job. He really would. Um, I think this is going to be so interesting. Even in the last few weeks, I've seen more details emerge about um, this interview, the other interview that, that Prince Andrew did, just mm -hmm. how this whole disaster sort of unraveled. Um, and it kind of is, it, it's, 
unfortunately for the members of the royal family, it's the story that won't go away because there's still so many questions. I think especially why on earth did you do this? Yes, why on earth did you do it? (laughs) So, so many questions. And speaking of having so many questions, we have to talk about this new book from Tom Bauer. Everybody's talking about it. It is called Revenge, Meghan, Harry, and the War Between the Windsors. Um, It's already making waves, like we said, causing a lot of discussion. So let's break down some of these bombshells. It's not, um, you know, at the time that we post this, this uh, the book is not out yet, but we have uh, read some excerpts saying that the queen didn't want Megan at Philip's funeral. A lot of people are like, is this true? Is this false? Um, considering Tom said that he didn't really talk to a lot of Megan's friends in this. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to read between the lines. It's, it's so interesting. I've been looking into this and Tom Bauer is a really well-known biographer mm-hmm. and he does tend to... Um, write about people who are still alive, which makes an even more interesting biography. He's been sued for libel three different times for his biographies and has never once lost or, you know, he's never been convicted or whatever the Mm -hmm. term would be um, because his sources are ironclad. He always has reasonings to back things up and nothing in the story is technically a lie. However, what we're now seeing um, is that what, what he says might not technically be a lie, but it might not be the whole truth. It seems that he's doing a good job directing you where you want to, where he wants you to go. So an example of that is saying the queen didn't want Megan at Philip's funeral. And was that not a passing comment of like, you know, goodness, it's so crowded in here. Thank goodness. It's, or I guess it wasn't very crowded that day, but you know, whatever it was like, <laughs> was it a passing comment that's now been twisted into this narrative? That's the questions that I would be asking. Yes. No, I agree. And it was that she, did she say that because if Megan came, all the focus would have been on Megan and right, not, right. you know, Is what it- the, they should be, you know, uh, celebrating the life of Prince Philip. So yeah, it's like you said, it's going to be very hard to read between the lines about all this. Uh, you know, there was uh, Tom Bauer alleges that they were mad that their Jubilee plans were blocked that, you know, that they couldn't go on the balcony with the rest of the Royal family. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. And, and um, I think that it, a lot of people are going to believe this book is as gospel as the gospel truth of what yeah. happened. Um, and I think some things might be true and we might see some interesting things come to light. It looks like he did get some really exclusive interviews and he spoke to some really key characters through in this story. Um, but whether it tells the whole truth, I don't know that we'll ever know the whole truth. No, we'll never know. But uh, some people are already speaking out uh, against the book, especially the whole Vanity Fair um, aspect of this. So she guest edited Vanity Fair a number of years ago. Um, he alleges that she was difficult to work with. She wasn't happy with the um, the outcome of the article because it was all about her love of Prince Harry, but it really should have been about um, the work that she was doing, correct? Yeah, so it was, this was this huge feature in Vanity Fair, really announcing she's Prince Harry's girlfriend, it's serious, and sort of, you know, um, really letting the world meet her. And she really wanted it to be about her activism, about her charity work, about her as, you know, sort of um, a, a humanitarian. And instead, it was more about her being mad about Harry was the title of the feature and her acting career. And so the Tom Bowers book says that she was difficult, that she was really upset, that she sent all these angry messages about what happened, about how the article turned out. And within about a day of this feature coming out, the journalist Sam Kashner denies this negative account. Um, he sort in his denial, he 
he sort of leads us to believe he's been misquoted. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that the narrative's been directed. He says that, yes, I these things are true, but that's not the whole story. And I found that really interesting, kind of the first instance that we're seeing where it's technically true, but it's not really the whole story. <laughs> yeah, which may, like you said, may be a lot of, about this book. Well, to help us break this book down even further and to kind of delve into whether or not this can cause even more of a royal rift between the family is royal expert Jonathan Sacerdoni. Take a look. I mean, do you think that this book will cause more of a rift between Harry and the royal family? Well, I don't think that Tom Bowers are uh, going to pull any punches. I don't think that he's trying to keep the royal family sweet or obey any uh, edicts that they might put out to him. Um, I also don't think that he's terribly concerned from what one hears about what Harry and Meghan will think of him. And that maybe puts him in a perfect position to give a book uh, to all of us that we might want to read and see, because it will feel somewhere in between. Um, you know, I think that the the Omid Scobie book, uh, Finding Freedom, got a lot of criticism for seeming to be sort of semi-authorized book right. by the, the Duke and Duchess. And I think that, again, however true that is, there seemed to be stuff in there that could only have come from them or their people. And it seemed to be very sympathetic to them. I don't think Tom Bauer is going to do that. I think this mm-hmm. book's going to be far more explosive. And that means that if it's telling, uh, if it's revealing secrets, revealing stories of what happened uh, behind the scenes through sourced and reliable means, um, then uh, I think, you know, I think that will be potentially very damaging both to the royal family and, and to the ex-royals, if you can mm-hmm. call them that, uh, because I think it, it, it's going to just widen that rift. But again, I say when I say it could be damaging to, to Harry and Meghan, it might not be damaging. Uh, yeah. It might be exactly what they like, because mm-hmm. while they're not actively involved in the book, all the controversy and all the gossip and all the backbiting about who did what and who said what, it just keeps them in the press mm-hmm. and they can react to it or their closest people can react to it and there could even be legal cases they're not right. adverse to a bit of litigation um so i think that it would it would definitely be just more fuel on that fire definitely do you uh, can you imagine the queen though actually being happy that megan did not attend philip's funeral as tom bauer claims in the book I think that it was, I mean, I think I remember we talked around that yeah. time um, mm-hmm. about whether or not they would or should come, mm-hmm. um, who should come. The same as about the Jubilee. And I always said that it's, it was very difficult for them. I think the Queen is probably quite genuine um, in, when she puts out these occasional, very occasional comments about them being much loved members of the family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. You know, I think we can have members of our families who behave in ways we, we don't like and make our lives difficult and we still like them or love them. And um, so on a family level, probably the Queen, yeah, I think would have liked uh, her to be there, though I don't know how they do get on. Um, I think that we saw plenty of touching images of the two of them um, during the time that she was a working royal. Sorry about that, dog. <laughs> we, saw, we saw plenty of images of them uh, that were quite touching when she was a working royal. The Queen actually seemed to take her under her wing. There were images of the two of them laughing and, and sitting together. Um, I think that in that respect, maybe the Queen would very much have appreciated the gesture of her being there. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there were plenty of good reasons why she wasn't. The restricted numbers, the massive amount of controversy and gossip and speculation that would have attracted around what was effectively an extremely sad moment for the Queen mm-hmm. and, and the nation and the family. So hard to know. But I think probably on balance, from a perspective of being the Queen, the monarch, maybe it was a relief yeah. um, because... So we're not talking about her personal or internal emotions as, a, as an individual. We're talking about as the monarch. Did she want 
that upstaging and already pared down uh, and stripped down because of COVID funeral for a much loved long-standing member of the royal family who had massive admiration for the way he uh, he carried out his duties um, and her husband, you know, mm. of, of so long. I think probably she wanted to focus all on him. Do you think that they will read this book? Do you think that they are dreading this book? I mean, what kind of thing, what, what do you well, think their mindset is right now? Again, look, it, it, it's rumor. I don't know yeah. them and I don't know for, for, I've never had a, a solid tip off that this is true, but they are said to read stuff. Um, you know, we, we had all these uh, kind of jokey rumors that they would be doom scrolling on their phones as they drove away uh, from from their private jet after the after the jubilee celebrations and things like that, and and if that's true, um, well, they can't be enjoying this, or maybe they are because you know, uh, it's, it's that old Oscar Wilde thing. The only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. And I think that when you've made your stock and trade, your living, your your money generator, your wealth generator, when you've made that your fame, and and you know, failing fame, infamy is pretty good. Um, notoriety, they're doing it. We're talking about them. You and I are talking about them on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, people always, you know, write in the comments, if you hate them so much, why are you talking about them? Um, I, incidentally, I don't hate them. Um, I, I, I don't think people necessarily hate them, but you can disapprove of the way people behave without hating them. I don't know them. Um, so I would say that I imagine they are following it. I would imagine their people follow it and, and probably, you know, keep them updated, however diplomatically. Uh, bearing in mind the rumours and allegations of bullying and, and tempers, maybe they're cautious about how they update uh, the couple, but uh, I would imagine it's a fairly fundamental part of their planning. And so either they're messing up in getting this sort of negative coverage, or it's all part of the plan, you know, better to get this than to get nothing, more books sold, more Netflix viewers when the thing finally comes out. If they were towing the line, they wouldn't really get so much interest, I think. Yeah, I, I wonder if this is even on Harry and Meghan's radar, if they're even going to be talking about this, if they're even going to read about it, or if they're like, oh, it's just another one of these, uh, these uh, you know, ridiculous claims about us. I don't know. I don't know. Or like, like you said, another lawsuit could be on the hands. I don't know. Yeah, I think that that's what's really difficult is if there's any really serious lies in this book, we know that there would most likely be a lawsuit, you know, handed out from their legal team. Um, and they've almost, you know, um, damaged themselves in how often they file lawsuits and that now we start to think that if they don't file a lawsuit, then it must yeah, be true. Must so be they're true. in a sticky situation. And I agree with you. Are they just over it and they're, you know, like, whatever, not another one, or are they really going to be, you know, watching this closely? Yeah. No, you make, you make a really good point. Cause they're like, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't, right. if you're not going to say anything about it, then we're going to assume that it's true. No, you're, you're totally right. All right. Well, now it is time to check in on our pint size palace and very exciting news. Pippa Middleton welcomed her third child, a baby girl, Pippa and her husband, James welcomed their first child, a son named Arthur back in October of 2018. She gave birth to a baby girl named Grace in March of 2021. And um, she followed in the footsteps of her, of Duchess Kate, um, giving birth at the Linda Wing of St. Mary's Hospital. That was, of course, the same place that she welcomed um, her three children. So exciting. Another little cousin for George, Charlotte and Louis to play with. <laughs> so exciting. Almost, I think all of the Middletons are now decamping out to, to Berkshire near mm -hmm. Windsor. 
Um, so the cousins will have lots and lots of opportunities to get together, to grow up together. I think it's so exciting. And another little girl, I think is, is fun. There's lots of yeah. little boys running around. Mm-hmm. Um, so another little girl is exciting. Yeah. So congratulations to the entire family. The very exciting news. Well, Christine, thank you so much for breaking down all things Royals with me as always. This was a fun week. There was some yes. juice. Juicy stuff. And I'd love to know what you guys thought about everything. So please keep commenting, keep subscribing, and we'll see you guys next week. Hey everyone, I'm Christina Garibaldi, the host of Us Weekly Celebrity Coverage. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the latest celebrity news, tips, and video. And for much more content, make sure you head on over to usmagazine.com, the official home of Us Weekly Magazine.